Blog Talk Radio. All right, Blog Talk listeners, we're getting ready to go live. In just a few moments here, you guys typed in the, in the house. The event didn't stop you all, did it? It didn't slow you down. They said, no, we are real Wednesday warriors. We going all the way in, and we're going to stay. They stay put and stay on the path and the journey that God has us. So praise the Lord. Very thankful for you all in the house tonight. Yes, because we'll journey together. How about that? Make some things happen, yes? Very good. Very good. All right. And we're getting ready to go live here just momentarily as we have a few people coming in. Tonight we're going to do Old versus New Testament. Wrap that conversation up under, we're on page 115 in the book where she's talking about dismantling the continuum. All right, we're going to talk about dismantling the continuum. Amen? And so I'm excited about uh, what she's saying in here because some of the things are very necessary to guarding your faith and guarding your Christianity. That's what this thing is all about. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about why that's important because sometimes we forget a little bit about why that's important. Yeah? So am I, am I ready to go live on Facebook? Yes. All right. Okay. Huh? Yep. Go ahead. Let's go on Facebook. Yep. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. All right. We are live here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I got my crew in the house. <laughs> Welcome back to Wednesday. Warriors! Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me tonight. We are officially back after our brief break, okay, our brief reprieve for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, which was, yes, you can scream for that, which was very amazing. Was y'all saying? Yes. Yeah. That was so good. We had such a great, great time uh, this past week. I, for me, it felt like two weeks because people were coming in town steadily, but we had such a phenomenal time. God showed up. He showed out, he made deposits, he shipped lives, he changed destiny, he delivered souls, he did all of those great and powerful things, did he not? He did them. And we were excited to be a witness and a partaker. If you missed uh, uh, the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute 2017, you really missed something this year, okay? You really miss God. He is literally shifting this thing to scripturally organic. And we can feel the power and presence of God showing up to accompany this move and to accompany uh, really the strengthening and the revival and the renewal of his people. Can you say that? He came to strengthen. He came to rejuvenate. He came to revive and renew us again, not just to ourselves, but back to him. So we keep forgetting that the whole idea of revival is to bring us back to life in Christ. Ah, think about re, going back by, dealing with life, right? So when God wants to renew and when God wants to revive, he wants us to come back to life in him, come back to the life of his word, come back to the life of his truth, come back to the life, okay, of his world, come back to the life of his way. So when God is, okay, when God talks about revival, he's looking for something to come back to himself. You know, when we think about revival, we be thinking about us. Okay? <laughs> God, well, most revivals are very much about us, which is why they last for just a moment. Okay? They, they're like movements. They move on. But what 
Dr. Price is establishing through scripturally organic and culturally unmodified brand is not necessarily going to be a movement. It's going to be an institution because God's not going anywhere. Can you tell your neighbor God's not going anywhere? He's not going anywhere. Okay? So he's going to be here, and anything that's going to be rooted in establishing him, rooted in fortifying him, rooted in keeping him entrenched in the earth is going to be around forever. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, but if I be lifted up, and we lift up a lot of things when we call when we call for a time of revival, issues and drama and all of that. But when you bring people back to their God, oh come on, yes. what's our famous scripture? If my people who are called by my name, come on, y'all can quote it. humble and said and pray, seek my ways, turn from their wicked ways, seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways. Okay, then I will. See, when you seek God's ways, oh, come on, when you're seeking him and you're seeking to return back to his foundation, return back to his truth, return back to what he establishes, then you hear from heaven. As long as you're not interested in returning back or aligning yourself with how God thinks and what he wants, you'll never hear the true minister Norman, you'll never hear from heaven. You'll go seasons in silence because God says you're not interested in what we have to say. Oh, okay. Because God says, I can only say what my word is. My word that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I can only say what I know, and I can only say who I am, and I can only say what I've done, and I can only say what I am going to back and what I'm here to do. And if you're not interested in that, then I have nothing to really say. Uh-oh. Because people wonder why God goes silent, because you're no longer interested in who he is. Oh, wait a minute. See, that's okay, Mr. Williams? You're no longer interested in who he is. You're wondering why you can't get God to move in prayer. You're wondering why you feel like you're hitting a glass ceiling in your walk. There's something off between what you and God's understanding of life is about. Isn't it true? You don't have an appreciation for who he is. You want something that he can't do outside of his character, outside of his way. There are things that God simply cannot do. That's one thing that the evangelical movement did not properly equip us to understand about God. When he said that he was, I'm the Lord, I change not, I'm the same yesterday, today, forever, he said, you know, that there's certain things I cannot do. I cannot do. They are against the integrity and righteousness of my way and the righteousness of my character. For God to not be faithful means for him to undo the very fabric of our lives and our existence and what we come to rely on. Okay. Because, see, God's faithfulness is not just him showing up in the morning when you pray and him being here at church and all of that. God's faithfulness shows up in every aspect of his creation. Because he's faithful, the sun's going up at 6.32 a.m. Oh, y'all ain't hear that. So God's faithfulness, he said, I'm a faithful creator. I won't deny myself. God's faithfulness doesn't just show up in your religion. Oh, wait a minute. Come on. We saying it? Come on. It doesn't just show up in your religious walk. It doesn't just show up in your prayer time and in your needs and your petitions to the Most High God. God's character, according to Romans 1, shows up in everything that he made. So he's not just being faithful to you. He's being faithful to everything he brought into existence. And if he can't bend the law of nature... Every moment of every day. Come on, even in the one time when he did cause the sun to stand still, he knew if I did that ten more times, we'll be out of the timing of the continuum. 
Because the sun, it, what he said, but the morning and the evening was the first day. So he's clocking time by what? He said he gave us the sun, the moon, and the sun for what? Signs and seasons. So he can't just be shifting things arbitrarily throughout the planet based on our will or his own emotion. God has a covenant with his outcome. Not with the day-to-day feelings, not with the day-to-day problems, not with your day-to-day issues, people's contentions, people's likes or dislikes. God's covenant is with his own product, his own outcome. And that's what the continuum is tracking, God's ultimate aim, God's ultimate outcome. Oh, come on, y'all with me in here. So his covenant is not with all of those things. That's why God doesn't have to get emotional. He stays focused. He doesn't have to respond out of his emotions. First of all, when you already worked out how everything's going to turn out, you don't have to get crazy. You don't have to get crazy. See, when you, you I don't know if y'all ever had, had that opportunity to beat your kids at the punch when you already know they're about to act crazy, so you already anticipate that and you already work out the outcome. And they, and, okay, and when they start acting up, you just sit there because you already, I'm not going to get crazy with your emotions. Your kids' emotions shouldn't be driving you crazy. Especially when you know you can control the outcome. Oh, come on. So you just sit there and wait. They screaming, they crying, they doing it wrong, they doing a thousand things, they moaning all the machinations. Okay, oh, yeah, and you just let them do it. My mom would just look. <laughs> now, when you finish, it's time to get back into the program. Okay. And God just allows us to have our temporary hiatuses from his program and from his will. Anytime you want to get off script in God's continuum, he has a remedy for that called the wilderness. Ask Israel. The continuum was Jericho. You see, God's covenant with his outcome. The continuum was Jericho. Their opinion and their issue was the wilderness. I obviously have to give you a time. He said, I'll put you in the wilderness for what, according to Deuteronomy? So I can test your heart to see if you love me, to see if you obey me. Because God will never advance you a destiny beyond your willingness to obey him. Because his destiny in your life is not for your personal fulfillment or personal gain. It's for his outcome. Because he's dedicated and committed to his outcome. So God will bless you. God will move mountains. He'll raise up and set down things. Ask David because he's committed to an outcome. Ask Abraham. I told you because you'll produce my outcome. Every hero in the scripture was committed to producing God's outcome. And that's why they're the heroes of the faith. Because they wanted the product of the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't trying to produce anything else in the flesh that God didn't want manifested. You want to be a hero in Christ? Be dedicated to his results. We all have started our ministry for various reasons, and many of us have never been taught that the reason why you start a ministry is to produce a result for Jesus Christ. To know what his outcomes are in the planet. We do it because we want to share our testimony. I heard many people, in fact, we talked about this at the event. And somebody tells you they want to be a prophet and they want to minister prophetically in your church and they want to do all these kind of crazy things because they got something they want to share, sit them down. Because guess what? We're not interested in what you have to share. Your testimony, okay, your testimony is not what this foundation is built on. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ and his faithfulness to his father's outcome that's pushing this thing forward. 
Everything that he talked about in those gospels was to that intent. I'm only going to do what I see my father do. We all been working. I've been working. My father's been working. We're I'm only going to do that, which is what I was sent. We're going after this goal here. He said, he said, let me tell you something. There's some things I want to do here. I want to visit for judgment, but I can't because I'm here to visit for salvation because the outcome is recovery. We're going after recovery plan. My goal is to destroy the works of the devil, set the captives free so we can get our outcome. Jesus said, dedicated to that. The cross was about an outcome. He said, look, if you can take this cup. He said, son, if there was, a, if was another way to get the outcome, we probably could do it. But you got to go to hell. But you got to go to hell. Because hell is going to get us the outcome. Oh, come on. If we don't dismantle that authority and take our people from underneath that judgment, we'll never get the outcome. And the outcome of this thing is the restitution and reconciliation of all things. Bringing all things back to God. The whole reason why most of our, the, the elements, the dynamics, and the reality, the Christianity exists is because something fractured God's world. Oh, y'all with me? The continuum exists because something fractured God's world. If God never had a problem, we wouldn't have had a story. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. You would have a testimony because there'd be nothing to test. God would have to test his word in you because it would be the only word that's in you. There'd be nothing else vying for his leadership, vying for his authority, vying for his will, vying for his character, vying for his outcome, vying for his world. There'd be nothing else vying for his world. Everything that we are living is hinged upon two immutable things. God and people or a nation. God's plural. If God never had to deal with the other little G's, we wouldn't be in this. Y'all recognize if Lucifer never messed up, if Lucifer never messed up, according to what Dr. Price said, we wouldn't even have prophets. We wouldn't have to have law and government and all of these differentiations, this division, this shifting, this sorting, this qualifying, this testing of your faith, the fiery trials. You recognize that this thing never kicked off the way it did in heaven. We wouldn't be in this today. Two-thirds of what we're trying to accomplish in Christianity is to the intent that God can reconcile his world. The reason why we are, we are going through this process and going through this exercise is so that God can restore and reconcile back what was fractured. He's trying to make his world whole again. Oh, y'all with me. It's not to torture you. Oh, my God. So the continuum and what is happening in the continuum, all of these things of why you need to know the word of God, why you can't just follow anybody else's voice, why you can't just accept and get involved in any kind of trend that's out there, why you can't just give yourself freely over to your own passions and desires and lust is because God has an enemy. Christianity primarily in the earth is God's response to his enemy. Oh, no, it's me. The one thing we don't want to deal with, which is going to be a great step for us to talk about chapter 8, because that's going to put a lot of things in perspective. Everything that God's doing. We're talking about the Old and New Testament tonight. So everything that God's doing is to the intent of him 
because of fear, because of doubt, because of unbelief. Your insecurities can kill. You can be so insecure about yourself, you can kill a relationship. You can kill somebody else's hope. You can kill somebody else's faith. Come on. Life producer. All of the fruit of the Spirit is to the intent that we would know how to live eternally. They produce perpetual, oh, y'all with me in the air. They produce perpetual life. Those are instruments that keep eternity living. Y'all with me? God says, oh, no, you can't be, you can't live by rashness. You need patience. Because if God can have patience, we'd be gone now. The world could have blew up and blew down. Lucifer would have cut up. He said, scrap this. We started the firmament all over again. Forget it. I'm out. But he recognized that things couldn't live under hostility, under rashness and impetuousness. And he said, I'll wait for the precious fruit of the earth. You know you have to have patience. Look at how our food grows. Lord Jesus. It's growing so slow. We put it genetically modifying it so it can produce faster because we want to eat 24 hours a day. And there's millions of us, billions of us on the planet wanting to eat around the clock. Okay? In order for you to get that taco bell, they got to put something in that. The cow can't even grow at his own weight. He's like, existed. 
God being able to authorize his way to show, uh-uh, this is the authorized way of the creator. This is how we want our sacrifices is what we want. Because another voice came with following. So God had to set up parameters and guidelines for how you can continue to distinguish his voice and his way and his outcome from his adversary. So when we're talking about being culturally unmodified in light of this, what are we really saying? Put it out of work. Put it out of work. Going back to God's original way of doing things? Going back to God's original way of doing things? Who are you going to say? I'm going to say unmixed. Unmixed? Okay, unmixed, untainted, authentic, or organic. What about over here? And knowing who's going to follow. So when we're talking about why we have the continuum and separating culture out and why you can't engage in certain practices and rituals, it's to the intent that God can differentiate himself from his adversary and the fruit and the product of what his adversary is trying to produce in your life. We have not been taught that everything that we do is to produce. God says that no, no word is without power. Are y'all listening? Yeah. No word is without power. No, another thing, he said, not a sound in creation is without significance. A bird call has got something, okay? It's got to make something happen in creation. So when we're talking about dealing with the continuum, it's going to be your ability to separate those things. God is trying to preserve you from the outcome of his adversaries. He already saw how they're, what their work produced. In heaven. Yeah. He said, uh-uh, this is something we're sitting down. Y'all already saw up your sanctuary. Y'all saw up the planet. Y'all saw up the, okay? The, all the most high stuff. Y'all sitting ahead. The earth sitting in darkness. Isaiah 14. You have the earth sitting in darkness. So we already know the outcomes of what you can do. So when God is talking about preserving everything into the intent, that he is trying to sift, separate, sort, but most of all, trying to protect, preserve, and guard. We have to remember that. So, salvation from the beginning. God used able sacrifice for this intent. From the beginning. Everything in Scripture. Now when you go back and read the Bible, y'all going to start seeing and show up over and over again that everything and God's responses to everything was this. Protection. For preservation and guardianship. God is always saving. Your questions have to be what and who. Everything God does is to the intent that he can protect, preserve, guard, and save what belongs to him or save what's important to him. He is always saving. It doesn't matter. Every judgment, even when he accepted Israel and then when he sent them off to get blown up, in all of it, okay, well, they can get blown up, but that's not going to win They couldn't do it. <laughs> Although they said that some laser like things didn't exist yeah. back over the day. But, you know, so even when he sent them off, even what we can fear the most about God's judgment, you can only have to fear God's judgment because you don't want to accept his way. God's judgment is not a problem for you if you agree with it. The law doesn't exist for the righteous, is what Paul said. It doesn't exist for you. You live as a Christian above. 
only end your captivity if you choose to become his adversary. Because the only people that God is trying to destroy is his adversary. Nobody else. Okay. Did y'all hear that? The only people, the only thing that God is trying to destroy is his adversary. That's it. We think it's a thousand things. And the same will have you believe it's a thousand things. Because how else can he make you a winning participant of his campaign if he doesn't make you believe that God wants to destroy everything? No, he just wants to destroy what's not working. Oh, y'all with me? Yes. God is only out to destroy what's not working. So everything in Christianity, everything that God has, to, has released the plan from the Mosaic law all the way down the line is to the intent that he can protect, preserve, guard, and save his way of life. Y'all with me? Does that make sense? Yeah. So a lot of times when we say, like, God's not going to judge you, he, he is if it means it's going to save. He is going to make a judgment call. But he's making a judgment call between what he can save and what he must let go or destroy. That's what the judgment is all about. What can he save and what can he let go? And in every situation, salvation and redemption is priority. In every call that God makes, salvation and redemption is a priority. You want to know what's the primary motivation behind what he does and why he makes the decisions he makes is to the intent that he can redeem. How can you say that when people die? How can you say that when people go through, when we got countries that are coming under this or war or this and all of those things? God is always saving in those situations. You just have to ask what? You just have to ask who? There's not one judgment. The fact that God is sending people to hell is to preserve the rest of creation for life. Because the people in hell want to destroy it. Okay. So hell is designed to be a preservation tool for the rest of creation, to, to see to it that the rest of creation doesn't have to die and be destroyed because we've got a few people who want to have life their own way, who want to walk around in hatred, who want to walk around in anger and wrath, who want to do all of these destructive things and have all these destructive mentalities, who want to live like that who want to abuse, who want to use. Come on, you have a few people who want to live that way, so the rest of creation should go down. So the rest of creation should go down because a few haters want to destroy. Hell is about the preservation of life. Now I want you all to think about that. Hell is about the preservation of life. We see it as about a judgment of an angry God who doesn't like you. No, it's because he likes the world he made. He said he looked at his creation and said it was good. I like what I made. I like what I brought into existence. So that's why I want to keep it. I want to preserve it. I want to protect it. I want to save it. I want to save what I made. And we already know Satan's Satan's ways ain't working because look at us today. Even our healing mechanisms are destroying us. You take a drug, you take you out. Because why? He doesn't know how to produce life. Eternal life was taken from him. So think about this. If eternal life was taken from him, then how can he give you antidote or antidote and medicine and compensations for life? Oh, come on here. That's why a lot of our resolutions or solutions or compensations, as Dr. Price calls them in divine order, to the planet will always fail because they are devoid of the codes of eternal life. And not just because they don't believe in God, but because they don't have the knowledge of his ways. Oh, okay. The operations of his hands and how he keeps things alive. Because God's not just keeping things alive magically. There is a whole law and order to how God preserves the world. 
There is a government of light. Oh, gosh. A system that keeps things living. We keep thinking it's just believing. We keep thinking that's just faith. Is it true? Our faith is keeping this thing going. No. <laughs> no, no. No, no. God wants you to have faith because he knows that primarily without it or wherever you put your faith is what will be the outcome or the product that you'll live with. There are people who honestly believe in destruction. You cannot tell me that we out here, we done exposed Planned Parenthood, whatever, people still having faith in destruction. Because why? They're not out to preserve God's life. That's how you know they're moving by his adversary because they're not even moved by the things that destroy. Y'all with me on here? All right. It's important that we understand how to separate and differentiate those things and understand the motive and intent so that you know how to rightly defend. You're not defending a doctrine or a religious belief system. You're literally defending the structure of the world, the foundation of life forever. We're not defending today. We're not defending now. We're not defending the present. We know that when darkness time is over, we're living on. The righteous will live on. And that God is doing all of this to preserve, protect, and guard a world for the righteous. He said it over and over again in the Old Testament. The righteous will inherit the earth. Oh, come on. Whoever thought about what that meant and why he said it. But the earth is going into the hands of the righteous. We read it, and it sounds so religious when we say it. But the righteous and the meek and all these things. We read the Beatitudes and all we can see is Sunday school. (laughs) But we don't see that those are the foundation, the foundational pillars for life eternal. He lets you know what's going to live on past this world. But the purest, what, heart will see God. Oh, come on. But the meek will inherit the earth. Now, you think about that. Think about what he wrote. Because those are not just statements to comfort you and have something to read on a Sunday morning. God is letting you know this is the world that we are fighting to build, that we are warring to produce. We want meek, humble, okay, mild, gentle, loving people walking the planet. Why? Because those are the tenements that keep things alive. Things do not live without grace, without patience, without mercy. Without, they don't live without it. Take these things out of a relationship and tell me how long it's going to be around. They don't live without these things. Y'all with me? Stay with me today. I know y'all had a long week. Come on. Stay with me. They chewing gum. They say switching legs. We doing a whole lot of things in the house. In the house today. But you have to know what you're fighting for so you know how to frame your responses to God's adversary and to the world that's trying to vilify what your faith is here to accomplish. How many can say that because of this, you truly understand what your faith is here to achieve? Yes. Uh, do you? Yes. Do we? I saw a few hands. Prophet Ashley's secure. She's like, hey, I know why. Life. Recovery. So when people start having arguments with you about why we should and shouldn't do things, what will be your response? 
Is it life producing or not? Well, I mean, I'm just feeding the poor. I'm not hurting nobody. I just don't believe in Jesus Christ. So what are we gonna say? What happened? Okay, why is that? Why are they not helping either? Right. He's all right. So it's not about here on earth, but your eternal destination and who you are and how you're able to live forever. What would you say? <laughs> um, what I say? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? When we think about these cultural responses. That people get because we're battling on these fronts, are we not? We are. People are coming against Christianity for a thousand reasons. And they're coming against the righteous within Christianity. We're talking about Christians fighting other Christians within Christianity over, over God's righteousness and what they say is right or wrong. How do you defend that? How do you guard yourself? How do you keep this thing organic? How do you stay true when people are challenging that? Well, I think for me, I I try to stay true to what God says, and I try to um, share from God's perspective. Um, I know that if if I stick to, if I understand for my own self, if I understand, then I can explain to that level. Mm-hmm. So if you ask the question, so what what good is it doing if you're just feeding someone, mm-hmm. right? Um, I could say, like the other day, I was in a conversation, and one of the things that I said was, well, it was nice that your suggestion as a Christian is to give someone money or to help them in that aspect, but what if we give them life? What if we give them the word of God? What if we begin to teach people the word of God so that they can gain life? And that really helped them to see it a little bit different than just helping on that superficial level, but helping to begin to bring life back. Because what is the objective of Christianity? Life, protect, preserve, guard, save, save souls. He's not saving the planet. Oh, right. But and that's true too. But he's not saving the planet. See, we keep thinking that doesn't mean that we don't need to, you know, be good stewards and just, you know, let the house burn down and just, you know, not care about fossil fuels and gases. I'm not saying that. Okay? But the reality is that, you know, people go, but I have to let Christians come around on the planet because we've been told that another one's coming. Okay? <laughs> but, all right, well, it's true. We got another one waiting in the wings. And that as long as we have these destructive mentalities inside of humanity, guess what? It doesn't matter all the good work that you do. All the good things that you do to help everybody is, in the end, your own soul construct. It's not conducive. Because understand, good works are not always done from a good soul. Good works are often done because, A, we want to make tenants, we try to, you know, buy God off through a lot of things. Which is why Paul says you cannot be saved by works. You have to be saved by the faith in God and the change or conversion of your soul into that which is Jesus Christ. Because not every deity is hostile. Every other thing, y'all know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, Buddhism is not hostile, but it's also not Christ. Right. right. 
and is set up to divert his people from him. We keep forgetting that deceit is at the heart of, the, of demonic activity. We keep thinking that demonic activity is all the ghosts and people jumping out of walls and actually projecting in their room and all that. But the heart of demonic uh, activity and demonic oppression and, and all of that is deception, which is the number one thing we don't know how to guard ourselves against. He wasn't the boogeyman to eat. That's right. And we keep looking for boogeyman and things to jump out of closets and that it's going to be that sudden drop. <laughs> but it's not. The heart of it is deception. How can you preserve yourself from that deception? What really took Eve out? Her faith in the serpent or her lack of faith in her creator. Okay. But she didn't know anything. Her ignorance. She didn't know anything. And it's the questions that you can't answer about God that you need to be concerned at the doorway of deception. It's what you can't answer about your faith. It's what you can't say about your God. It's what you don't know and what you don't understand that becomes the opening and the portal for deception. Well, I don't know. I, I don't need all that. I just need to be, mm-mm. You need all of that and then some more things. Because look at how Buddha Jesus got into the church. Because of people who did not know their God. And because they did not know both the Old and the New Testament. They're basing their characterization of Jesus Christ primarily on the New Testament, which was Jesus' what? Three and a half years of ministry. So three and a half years of ministry is what becomes the foundation for deciding what is and what is not a Christian. And what is it? It's not godly character. And what is it? It's not Jesus Christ. Well, they were able to spend that, spend what he was doing, what God was doing to protect, preserve, guard, and save, into a whole foundational, okay, characterization of who this man is from the beginning of time. See, we, when we forget about uh, or what we don't understand about the distinction between the Old and the New Testament and why dividing them was so dangerous to the church is because it disconnects you from time. Right, right, right. Y'all with me? It disconnects you from time because we forget that God is at the beginning of time and that God has lived since before time began. He said before Abraham was, I am. So if he's existed since then, then our characterization of God needs to go all the way back and not just start with the Jesus that manifested himself in the flesh to complete the mission of reconciliation and, as probably as you pointed out, recovery. So we get stuck. When we separate the Old and the New Testament, we get stuck right there. So now what happened? What, what was able to get in here by us cutting off this aspect of God's nature, character, whatever? Everything else. People were literally able to deceive us about who Christians are. We have Buddhistic mentality telling us New Age people, Wiccan, pagans, describing and defining what a Christian should be in this world. But we're not Christians to this world. We're Christians to the world to come. Oh, okay. Because this world, he kept telling us, what did Paul say? What did Jesus say himself? But this world is passing away. And you're, you're putting your station and you're baking your character and nature and crafting your life by a world that is passing away. This will not always be. We are the future. Jesus told us that our kingdom is the future. We are the future. We are tomorrow. We're the next 
age. We're the next generation creation. We are next gen. Which is why he said, don't make a home here. You aren't going to fit here. You don't fit in this time because this time is coming to an end. That's why you don't fit in this time. This is why you can't buy into culture because culture is crashing around a time. Which is why they keep telling you that Jesus doesn't fit in this time. It's antiquated. What are they? Because they crept everything about a time frame. But Jesus said, but this time period is going to come to an end. And when it ends, everything's going to return back to what always was. Oh, okay. I'm only giving culture a time. And I'm only giving culture a time frame so it has an opportunity to deceive you. I'm only giving it a time so it can test you. You can say you deserve to be a part of the future citizenship of creation. Oh, come on. Of the world to come. But culture keeps you bound to a time. And your God is timeless. Which is why you cannot change his foundations based on one time period or another. Because he's not making his decisions on a time period. He's making his decisions on an eternal destiny. And an eternal destination is not for the right now. God's not making a decision about drinking and smoking and fornicating for now. He said, I'm trying to see if your soul can survive in a future in which you don't need those things. And when humanity is not subsisting on their brokenness and all their deficiency and all their weaknesses and all their defeat, when they're not subsisting on immortal, or just immortal compensation, things to compensate for your mortality and your inability to be the best, creation has to offer. You don't have the ability to live on that level, so you need to drink something in a crisis. You don't have an eternal spirit that can supply the life back to you that you need. Oh, come on, with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, quicken your mortal breath. You don't have the power to tap into Christians who still need to drink. Mm, come on in this person because they can't tap into the power. You can't tap into the power that gives you life, the power of an endless life. So when life is taken from you, something else can be supplied back. See, when you're right with God and you're standing in that place with God, he is the supplier, Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Oh, yeah, he can provide everything. But what you need when you have a broken spirit, but what you need when you have a broken heart, he can supply all of those things. But what you need when, when you're broken, oh, come on, but I need to have a drink, but I need to go sleep with this person, but I need to go do this thing. All of a sudden, he's not the provider. You trade it out, provider. And you're getting the results of the new provider. I told a client that the reason why it's difficult to break bondage is to break that activity with these other gods and with these other deities is because you have to you have to go back and ask the question. What's causing me to stay bonded to this? Because a bondage makes a bond. It makes a bond. It bonds with you. It connects with something that's in your makeup that you feel like you need and cannot live without. There's something in your makeup that you still believe God can't supply. Although he calls himself, and you're rich and he's all in all, you yourself still believe that there's something in you that God can't meet. And you have to go back and ask yourself, 
What is bonding me to my bondage? And a bond is a tie that connects something together. But not only that, a bond is also a promise, a vow, and an oath. We have made vows about certain things that keep us in bondage. There's something about the time you were broken and the vow you made about how you would self-medicate. See, in our vows and those statements we make, come on, when we can't tell the Lord to God, nobody better ever, nobody ever, never, I won't ever, you don't understand, nobody's going to do this to me. This ain't never happening again. When I grow up, when I get older, when I have my own, when I did a high, and we make promises to our emotional captivities that we will take care of them in the future. Deliverance happens when you can turn your captivity truly over to God. When you can turn it, that's when you can submit to God, then you can resist the devil. You can't resist the bondages on your life because you're bound to them. You have a bond. Y'all created a covenant, which is why Dr. Christ says a lot of these things are operating by permission and authorization. You made a covenant with that, a promise and an oath to protect yourself, to be your own self-preservation, to be your own savior. I'm going to save me from this next time. And you create that thing. And then you're wondering why you can't get out of it. That's why God doesn't start deliverance until he disconnects your will from what it's bound to, what it's promised to protect. Remember, we still doing it. The human will, God's will, it's still doing it. The problem is our will can't produce his outcome. The wrath of man will not produce the righteousness of God. Your will cannot produce God's outcome in your life. That's why he says, let vengeance be mine. I went through a season where forgiveness was a real issue. I was getting slammed up the front and down the back. And let me tell you what, the enemy was helping. It was taking <laughs> things, and he's helping. Okay? And we're struggling with that. God says what you need to do right now is release your right to retaliate. He said, because that's what forgiveness is all about. Releasing your right to retaliate in your life. Retaliate against the things that may be justifiably. You become self-righteous when you become your own self-savior. Will worship. Saving yourself. And you're making vows to save and protect yourself from the things that happen to you. But the only way you're going to come out of bondage is if you go back and trace the nature, the cause, the motivation of the bond. How the bond is paying you off. Dr. Christ says no deliverance, no captivity exists without a payoff. People can say, I want to get out, I want to get out. Mm -mm, no, you don't want to get out because that's paying you. I had a, we had a person in our organization that had a disease every week. It was a new one all the time. Okay? Y'all remember. I ain't calling names. Had a new something. Every time we turned around, they sick and whatever. Talking about they want to get out, they want to be healed or whatever. God finally told me we prayed one time, we went up in the spirit, we do. He said, they don't want to get out. Okay? He doesn't want to get out. They said because the disease is giving them a payoff, and that payoff is not having to be obligated to society. We want freedom, but we don't always want responsibility. So your, your bondage is paying you somehow. I know I need to stop sleeping around. I know. I know. But it's paying you somehow, somehow. There's a payoff in you not wanting to correct it and you not wanting to get it right. And until your will stops believing that that's the answer and that's the solution, 
and wants to buy into God's alternative, you're going to stay in bondage because you have a bond with that. Y'all, you bond every time you commit that act. You and that spirit, that's your bonding time. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. We have a lot of bonding time things that get us through the brokenness in our life that we don't want to turn over to Jesus Christ because we know that if we turn it over to Jesus Christ, it's going to make us responsible for the healing and the maintenance of it. Because him that knows to do right does it not to him, it is sin. So if we say in confusion and weakness, then we'll never be obligated to have to take responsibility for our sins. There are a thousand things happening to you. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. That's the truth. You're not lying. That's really happening. But you have to make up your mind who is actually going to be the captain of this ship. Is it going to be you or is it going to be Christ? Because you don't recognize that you're still self-medicating. Oh, okay. Is it, is it okay to say? Because it's true, though, right? Because we self-medicate. I just need this right now. I just need to have this right now. You don't understand. You, know, you self-medicate. Now, you have an alternative. You have a savior. You have a strong man. You have a prince. You have a peace. You have a everything. This man can get, okay, you have it all. But Christ's medication makes you responsible and makes you accountable. And it's not until your will is ready to do that. And it's not until the reason your payoff no longer can supply. Your provider, come on, it's not until your provider and what they're providing is no longer needed. See, when you get over your insecurity, then you can come out of some things. Because the insecurity, okay, finding its own supplier. Oh, I know, all I know is that we're insecure. We're broken right now. Hold on, I've got to go get something. <laughs> I gotta go get something for this thing. And when I'm drunk, when I'm drunk, I have affirmation because nobody likes my personality, and I feel really awkward, and I have to hide myself. But when I'm drunk, I'm free, and I don't care. So insecurity has to go get something. Hold on. I gotta go in a cupboard. I gotta go in an apothecary of darkness and find out what we can supply to help you deal with this and be a remedy for where you're stuck and where you're broken. Oh, come on. That's why God always said, just listen, look at go and say no more. Okay? Because he knows that you are, your bondage is tied to something that is paying off or supplying a real broken fracture, a deficiency of soul that you can't, your human makeup is too weak to cope with. Oh, y'all with me? When your human makeup is too weak to cope with something, you go find a stronger provider, an external provider. And that external provider isn't always Jesus Christ. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be even abusive relationships. Some people need the drama to feel important. I know people who are in abusive relationships just because they need to feel needed. And because the person comes back and makes them feel like they need them after they've broke every bone in your body, okay? There's something masochistic about that, but we understand Okay? You need that. You need that affirmation, whatever it is. Won't go after jobs. Won't go after uh, things that are going to put you out front, things that are going to promote you. No, 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 no. Because that will put too much responsibility on me. That will put too much, okay? I don't want people to rely on me. You have to go back and think about why. (laughs) Were you relied on as a kid and, and messed up and then made a vow? But your actions are designed to keep you bonded with the devils that were there to supply 
in your deficiency. God knows you're deficient. That's why he says, I'm trying to fill all in all. I'm trying to be that all in all answer. But you have to see me as your solution. And a lot of times we just do not see God as the answer. It takes faith for you to even believe that he can be that person in your life. You're shaped in iniquity. That's why you're connected to it. That's why the bondage, y'all bounded, y'all bonded together in the womb. Your parents' DNA keeps you bonded to things. Auto-responding, is it true? And so in order for God to break those yokes, he's got to convince you and persuade you that he can be the new provider. Oh, okay, did he have to do it, Linda? He had to persuade you. It wasn't one of those things that's easy for God to do. He had to persuade you. That he could be the next thing. And until you're convinced and no gospel in the world, we can pray sometimes we saw ourselves pray sometimes Sunday we do it. We pray sometimes to sundown. But until God uh, and God can go in and so we think I have to go in and bind the strong man, he has to first find what the supplier is. What the reason is. I love Dr. Franklin's book to read because it starts with a decision. Is that right? Every one of us made a decision to guard with something we felt would be our protection. Drugs can be a protection from the realities of life. Homelessness can. We think that people are on the street simply because their lives are downtrodden, but some of them are on the street because, my God, it's a protection from what broke them in society. And now they don't have to try again. And they don't even have to feel that again. The hurt and pain of loss, disappointment, failure, and etc. When you don't have to feel something, we do it because we don't want to feel it. That's why God says the love makes it wax cold. Or you can get past feeling. When you get past feeling, all the issues come on. You will destroy yourself because you can't even. I just don't want to and that's what the enemy wants to do. You don't feel you're not in control of your control of your will. Which is why when you ain't alcohol, when you drunk, you don't feel that, don't remember none, you're not in control of your will when you can't feel it. Okay. I don't like to say. That's why you have that's why God says I'm not be trying to protect it for good. It's judgment or chasing in your life. It's trying to preserve the person that they created. That he made this product, that he created something else. He says we are his workmanship. We were created by him, although we were born into sin. Not with me. He's trying to do that. And this is the season of life in which God's trying to really get his church out of pocket and get us rebonded back to God. Apostleship is all about getting you back bonded to God. You're going to have a, you're going to be bound to something in this world because we're too weak in the flesh. That's why we have to have it. We're too weak. Our mortality made us come on here. We can't do that. I improved it, so this is enough. We can't do it. Because y'all can't fight it, sir. You're going to need something else. Because there are powers in creation that are greater than us. And we do know that. You're going to be bound to something. But God says you want to be bound to the outcome. You want to live with forever. Bound to the outcome you want to live with forever. Yes? You have to stop believing that God, okay, is too big or too small 
for your brokenness. Go back and start looking at the areas of your life where you feel like you still need to self-medicate. And put yourself, protect yourself. Unforgiveness is for you protecting you. Because you don't think God is righteous enough to do it. We'll say, I can hold my feet. It ain't enough. I'm not bad. Yeah, until the battle comes and you're like, what? <laughs> you got to feel your hands And you won't go to town on that issue because you don't think that God will be righteous enough to handle those matters. Please self preserve, self protect, and self medicate. And God says it's time for you all to stop self medicating and then asking Him. What's the result of surrender? Isn't it true? We self-medicate. We make these vows. And we say, Jesus, where are you? I'm in your way. But that wasn't my idea. And if you want my solution and my plan, I'm going to need you to put this down and let me step into this and work the work. Even having to do some things that he has to do that should woefully out of your account. Yes, but you need to shut up for you. That's my solution right here. You need to be quiet. For a while. But God, get up! You need to be quiet for a while. For a That's why God has to chase in every time. He has to chase out all those down. He has to chase out all those bombs. He has to chase out all those connections. He has to chase that out of your soul. And he has to prove to you
And then we're going to talk about the devil made us do it, right? That's got to be. We're going to talk about that. But right now, I want to invite you, give you an opportunity to give and sow into Wednesday Warriors, sow into the Warrior Nation. I'm so proud of the Warrior family. Everybody is growing. I had a chance at this event to see how many people's lives are being changed by us going through this material and talking about this thing. Is it true? I am just excited about that and seeing what God is doing. So I just really, really enjoy um, what the outcome and product is in your life because of this. And so I'm inviting you to sow into that tonight, www.tallerprice.com, okay? Sow a seed, sow into your work, the work of your redemption, the work that God is doing in your life. We sow into a lot of natural things that we can't even take with us to heaven. God, I need my job and my car. That's wonderful, and he will supply. But based on even what we talked about tonight, what price tag can you put on God delivering you from your bondage? Because when you can come out of your captivity, you can conquer your life. There would be nothing that you can't do and acquire. If you come out of captivity, you can conquer your life. So I invite all of you in the house to sew. I invite you on Facebook and Periscope to sew, www.tallerprice.com. Go ahead and sow that seed into the work of your redemption and the product that God is producing in your life. I've been getting testimonials about people whose lives are changing. You should always sow into what's changing you, not just what's trending and what's popular, but you sow into what's changing you. And as you sow into change, transformation will be your fruit. You will reap transformation because that's how the word works. Whatever you talk about, people would sacrifice their firstborns in Scripture just to get a divine outcome in their life. How much more now, us as living sacrifices, will our word and our fruit, will the type of fruit that God can bear in us? Amen. So let's pray for some people tonight and close this thing out. I want to thank you guys for watching. Yes, Wednesday Warriors because God is warring. He is fighting for you every single day. So hallelujah. I want to thank God for Facebook. I want to thank those that are watching tonight. Oh, my people are on. I have friends, old and new, who are on tonight watching a little bit, and I want to thank you guys for being on and letting me know when you go to visit, go visit TylerPrice.com and stay up with what's going on. Amen. There's a lot of great things on there for you guys to stay up with, to know what, what God is doing, and not only in the Warrior Nation, but in other ways. So I want to invite you to do that. But God is just moving this week. He's moving in a lot of your lives, and he wants to shift a lot of things in your situation. So I'm going to pray a prayer of release for that because I want him to do it. God, I thank you for these people that tuned in tonight. I thank you, God, for what you are doing and how you're shaping and shifting things for them and moving things on their behalf. A lot of new businesses are going to work in this season, God. You're calling, causing some things to work together literally for the good. Timing is going to come into play. We're people who keep missing the timing. They're, they're just either too early or too late or just missed it. God, I thank you that you're bringing people into divine timing in this season and that they're going to rock, walk into the right place at the right time, get the right agent on the phone, get the right person in front of them, get the right interviewer for that job, get the right salesman for that car, for the right real estate agent for that house. God, you're going to give them in, move them into the right place, God. And I thank you, Lord, for moving this thing forward. I thank you, Lord, that this is the season you want to 
to set the captives free. You want to do so, Father God, by the renewing of the mind, that as they become more aware of what you're accomplishing, more aware of what you're doing, more aware of what you're achieving in their life, God, they can partner with you in their own freedom and their own breakthrough. God, I thank you right now for the new, I just see new things happening, people's ministries, God, new things that you're trying to get off the ground. This is going to be a good season for startups to get a boost. And so, God, I thank you that you will keep their faith in the right place, God. We've released this prayer today of divine, ah, yes, of divine provision, God, today on John Plum, on Tevin Davis, on Cassandra Hines, yes, God, on Nilda, on Stephen Holt Jr., God, on Dennis Brown. Y'all already been living in the abundance and provision of God. Y'all better come on home. On Tammy Printup, God, on Donna Turner Smalls, God, I thank you for the smalls that they're about to get a breakthrough in some financial things, too, that you're going to start making inroads in some areas in the city where they've been feeling a little boxed in and not able to advance in what you have given them to do in their vision. God, I see opening, an opening coming, and what has them pinned in a little bit and feeling boxed in on some front. So, God, I thank you for that. For Yolanda Dawson, I thank you, God, for her breakthrough. I thank you, God, that she's getting the advancement, in, uh, even in her family. Her family, God, the breakthrough in all for all of them in their home. I thank you that you're unraveling a lot of things. This is going to be the season for you, uh, Yolanda, to feel like God is unraveling a lot of things in your life, where he's pulling a lot of things apart, and you won't feel like you're constantly under this barrage or siege mound. So he's going to begin to break you through by separating and sorting what really is going on so that you can see clearly what is the problem and where his hand is and what he wants you to do about it. So I thank you, God, for that happening in her life. For Terrace Martin, for Erica Martin, for Al Warren, for Eliah Hill, God, for Rhonda Bailey, I thank you, God, for her growth and for her, Father God, catapulting even to the next level, even after just being a part of connecting with this move and understanding what Scripture Organics is about, God, I thank you that you're going to break her beyond. You're going to break her beyond, break her beyond her own internal limitations, God, and her own even understanding of herself, that you're giving her a, a, new, a new release or perspective, really, on her identity. How she sees herself is about to change, which is going to change what she can produce, God. For Stacey Jones, God, for Barbara Davis, for Tanya Hale, and for Eleanor Taylor, I thank you, God, for releasing them into divine timing and, God, God, helping them set the captive free. There's a lot of captivity, Father God, that you want to break, things that, Father, they have not been able to move on or do. But I thank you, Lord God, that this is going to be such a week for, for professionals to really, God, make some strides and get ahead in what you have given them and where you have assigned them to be. I see you breaking people through on jobs with projects. There's some people who've been waiting for deals to close for clients, major deals for their organizations and businesses. God, I thank you that you're expediting that, that you're giving them, Father God, the weight, the favor, really, the favor, Father God, in those situations to break beyond. I see people getting, uh-huh, new deals, new clients in the door, major major clients coming through, Father God, for their businesses, and that you're going to really begin to breathe on the marketplace, Father, in this season. You're breathing on the marketplace for your people because you want to literally begin to bring in economy and finances into your own kingdom. You're breathing on ventures. You're breathing on visions. You're breathing on things, Father God. You're sending the right people, the right counselors, supporters, investors, God. You're giving them, Father, even the right sequence that they need to do things in so they can get the success that is needed. You're pulling them out of the dry places. You're pulling them out of the miry clay. You're pulling them out of that season of confusion. And even for some people who are teetering and tottering on the edge of giving up, 
I thank you, God, that you're giving that fresh wind, Father God, to them to show them, Father, how they, how they can make this thing work, that you're sending the spirit of the success that they are going to begin to attend to your people, the spirit of success, God, attending to their work and attending to the efforts and attending, Father God, to the things that you want them to do in this season. Even people who are trying to get books out, I see a lot of because somebody's having publication issues or publishing issues. God, you're working in those situations today. You're causing those things to work for the good. You're causing every crooked path to be straight in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that you're doing it for Anita, uh, for Stacy, yes, for uh, Carol Rangel, for Stephen Hope Jr., God, for Prophet Stacey J., for Aces Gold, for Lady Hope, for Apostle Sally, for Man Talk, for Tony Ingram, for Express Key 777, Impress Key 777. God, you're going to begin to break through their situation. They have been, like, literally, Father God, trying to, trying to get the right things done, trying to get certain things off the ground, but a lot of opposition and resistance, things that are just coming against them, a lot of red tape after red tape after red tape. God, I thank you that you move them forward, that you navigate them, Father God, around the system. God says in this season, a lot of you guys are going to be able to circumvent what is the normal system of things that has been keeping uh, progress from moving forward. He's going to begin to show you how to outwit and outsmart the enemy. Have a mind of a strategist. Don't just be religious. Be strategic in this season. Psalmist fit, beautiful inside, uh, uh, sanctified sister, and apostle Suprema. I thank you, God, for the release of those who are watching today because it's going to be a season of real release. He's releasing us from a lot of stagnation. But God says, use the wisdom that I'm giving you. Use the wisdom. Some of you guys need to take the advice of mentors and not be uh, uh, just 100% stuck in your own thoughts and your own ways and opinions about this. We get so uh, bonded to our vision sometimes that no one can give us the way out or the way of escape. We don't even see it as a way of escape. We think that it's going to be a deterrent to what God wants to do. But God says partnership, connection, mentorship, coaching, advice, connect with the right people, listen to the voices of wisdom in your life. And he says, in the multitude of counsel, it's going to be much wisdom for how to break through in your businesses and break through in the things that he wants you to do in the marketplace. This is not the season to retreat and give up on God's destiny. It's the season to fight for him. Fight for your destiny and fight for the things that he's given you to do. Can you all say amen tonight? Amen. All right, all right. Just like that, we're done. God bless you. We'll see you next week for another Christian of Wednesday Warriors.